0: Welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. I'm gonna to be joined by two very, very special guests. We're gonna break down, we're gonna get their thoughts really on the DeAndre Hopkins situation. We're gonna get their thoughts on the Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs situation, as well as breaking down the recent news: Brees Hall, Leonard Fournette, Denzel Mims, and plenty, plenty more. So why don't we sit back, relax, sip our coffee? And enjoy the show. What is up, fellas? I am joined today by the great Aaron Stewart, the great Chris Buonagara, the stat masters themselves have stepped into the Wake and Take coffee shop this evening. How are you, fellas, doing?
1: Man, doing well, brother. Doing well. Uh it's kind of weird to record in the mornings. We're usually like an evening or night show.
2: Uh, yep. but yeah, like it's it's a nice change. Thank you for having us. You Thanks didn't tell me going. there was coffee, but that's okay. I'll pretend I have coffee. Um, I'm doing great. Every part of me is just not acting like my phone's not on mute and I'm gonna finish this hour with a bunch of like work calls and texts, but we'll deal with that at 11 right now. We got some football news.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do have some football news. Uh Why don't we start things off? I know that it's already happened, but when I have guests on, you know, not everyone has the luxury of being able to talk about everything that happens every single day. And so I want to hear your thoughts on some of the news from at least this week that's honestly just been going on over this full offseason. We'll go ahead and start with some free agent speculation. Bringing it into today or yesterday, Leonard Fournette did visit with the Patriots. I'm definitely also curious your thoughts on maybe Dalvin Cook as well, but we'll start with Leonard Fournette. Although it's you, Aaron, how do you feel about that visit?
1: So Leonard Fournette has been a favorite of Chris and mine in best ball drafts because yep. everyone forgets about him, and he was still productive last year. Was he efficient? No. But it doesn't matter. He scored fantasy points. So we, I don't think the Patriots is where we would like to see him, but still at his ADP, like any landing spot, he immediately is going to go up like two rounds. And honestly, my takeaway with the Patriots is there's been people – Going, oh no, this is bad. We're starting to see Ramondre Stevenson slide, and honestly, the Patriots have been telling us for a while now. Like, there's, there's always been red flags. There's immense upside with Ramondre Stevenson, but even that same day, they worked out Daryl Henderson, and in the past, they've, uh, they, well, they signed James Robinson, they let him go. They were in the Dalvin Cook rumors as well. And even Ty Montgomery like comes back from an injury and they're talking about giving him a role. Like there's always been this chatter about having other veteran running backs involved. So anyone out there adjusting their, their fantasy football rankings and bumping Stevenson way down just haven't been paying attention. You just, you take Stevenson, you, you knew that there was risk and you still got to draft him.
2: Yeah. Well- it was also it's it's already been baked in what you're going to see now with a lot of these running backs. And I'll, I'll probably say this five times today is double counting, right? Stevenson was already a mid to late third round pick. Sometimes he went pretty much anywhere in the third round based on your draft. I've seen him at the 3-4 turn. I've seen him at the 2-3 turn in underdog tournament drafts because there was always the risk of another back. This is the Patriots. And like Aaron said, they've been flirting with another back all offseason. But to me, It's more so an indictment on the rest of the running back room, right? Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, and Ty Montgomery. As much as I like a guy like Pierre Strong, he's still very unproven. He's still very fringe. And this offense is dependent on the run game. And we Mm -hmm. see a lot of teams fall apart if their stud running back goes down. We saw it last year with the Jets. We saw the Seahawks drop drastically in efficiency when they started to deal with multiple running back injuries. They want insurance. Leonard Mm -hmm. Fournette. Does not make Ramondre Stevenson any worse of a player? The best running backs only see a sixty percent opportunity share. Someone has to get the other forty percent. But I will say this: for Leonard Fournette being one of my favorite final round draft selections all summer, the worst place for him to go would be the Patriots. In my mind, I'm still happy for him to go anywhere, but I would rather a team where where he has a shot to be, you know, a fifty to sixty percent guy out of the gate, not just the backup.
0: Yeah, definitely. Fournette has also been my favorite of the free agent running backs to be picked. I did not understand why he was going after the likes of an Ezekiel Elliott or Kareem Hunt, just based on the profile and the potential teams that would be interested in the profile that Leonard Fournette brings. The Patriots sucks. I mean, I was hoping for, you know, maybe a late season Chargers edition, maybe going to the Cowboys or something where, you know, a high a, a high velocity offense. But it's looking like it's not going to happen. Leonard Fournette is now favored to go to the Patriots. In terms of the landing spots and everything so we'll see how that develops do you have any thoughts on dalvin cook i'll start with you this time chris
2: i'm just exhausted of hearing about dalvin cook i'm yeah. not interested in dalvin cook the his best years were behind him he is a great player but everyone considers him to have been elite but he's not quite elite he's very similar to a guy like melvin gordon melvin gordon's career crashed quickly where whereas a guy like derrick henry and a Saquon Barkley are going to be able to extend their potency into their 30s like Adrian Peterson did. Dalvin Cook is just a great but not elite player. Jack Jacobs is another one of these guys, and it it's just over, man. Like Anywhere he goes, people are going to overreact. If you're going to buy him, you buy him right now. This is the cheapest he'll ever be. He'll certainly have some nice weeks, and I'm not saying he's going to completely die, but chances are whenever he signs somewhere, he's going to be way overhyped, and he's just going to make the other backs in that backfield so much cheaper like if he goes to miami just give me jeff wilson all day when he falls to the actual last round instead of the 15th round because someone else will probably step up when he just gets hurt again definitely aaron yeah in the
1: same too like i'm drafting Dalvin cook right now because people are afraid and people are letting him slide a full round plus plus. and at that like the, that's the thought process in best ball drafts or if you're doing like redraft leagues right now is when people are afraid, you got to pounce. And Dalvin Cook, he he fits certain builds for teams, but especially when he's now falling outside the top 100 picks. Most guys that outside the top 100 picks, they don't really do much to begin with. At least we've got a proven track record with Dalvin Cook. And I still think he's got one more good season, like decent to good productive season, I think is probably the right word I'm looking for there. So, uh, yeah, but the the moment he signs, just like right now with Fournette, just the fact that there's rumors of him visiting, I'm sure his ADP moving. So if you're in best ball drafts, this is when you draft Dalvin Cook, not after he signs.
0: Yep. Yeah, I will say this. Leonard Fournette more than likely going to the Patriots is very good news for Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook going to the Patriots, much like it being a stinker spot for Fournette, would be so bad. For Dalvin Cook, I'm still definitely hoping for the Dolphins. I have one share of Dalvin Cook. I ended up with him in the Scott Fishbowl. It is what it is. It is what it is. Real quickly, Ezekiel Elliott, if he goes anywhere other than re-signing the Cowboys, are you even in on him, Aaron?
1: I'll say sure, because he's still cheap. He's still cheap, right? Like, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll get touches. He won't be efficient, but... Fantasy football is about volume. It's not about efficiency. And people have been upset with Zeke, but that's when you were drafting him. Second, third, fourth. I think even last year, he might've slipped to like the fifth round, if I remember correctly. But now he's double digit rounds. Like, yeah, I've I've taken plenty of swings on Zeke along with the the other guys we've talked about looking for new homes and Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette. So yeah, anywhere he signs, sure.
2: Give me Ezekiel Elliott. I'm on the other end. I understand he's cheap, but... There are some players that even if they're in the last round, I'm not wasting a roster spot for Jerry Jones to let go of Zeke, not restructure, not find a way, let go in favor of Malik Davis. I'm just, I'm good on Zeke. You're banking on pretty much exclusively high touchdown equity. There's very little league winning upside week, winning upside. You can get other running backs in that range, like Malik Davis, like Keontae Ingram, Travion Williams, where if their starter goes down, you know how you now have like weekly RB2, RB1 upside. No matter who is around him on any team or the running room situation, you're no longer getting weak winning volume out of Zeke. Purely hopes of touchdown equity, and he's not even that good at that anymore. He's a very, very old 28. And if if the Cowboys are out, I'm out. Move on. That's yeah, my thought.
0: I think I'm with you there. You have fallen into my trap card. I have to ask. Rank these three running backs. Ezekiel Elliott, Joshua Kelly, Keontae Ingram,
2: Chris. Uh, it's going to be Keontae Ingram, and then about ten miles of the Marianas Trench, and then I'll I'll say Zeke, and then another twenty miles of that same trench, and then Joshua Kelly.
0: <laughs> all right, all right, Aaron.
2: And it'll be the same for me. Uh, you
1: know, okay. give me give me youth, and yeah, with Joshua Kelly, I'm not falling for it. I get it that he became the Chargers guy behind Eckler last season. But for three years now, we've seen them just rotate who the backup to Eckler is. And just not falling for it with Joshua Kelly again.
0: All right. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm falling for the Joshua Kelly this year. I like it. He's my he's my last handcuff I pick. I do have Keontae Ingram over him because I feel like a James Conner going down just seems so likely. Uh, But, you know, if anything happens to Eckler, I just that that opportunity to Kelly would get unless, of course, Kareem Hunt's still on the market. We'll see how that develops. We're we're getting way too ahead of ourselves here, but i like it. I like it a decent bit. (laughs) All right. Let's see. We I think we have some questions here before we move on. And I like this one a lot. If Dalvin Cook goes to Miami, would either Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert get cut? Personally, I feel like Jeff Wilson would be the man out. I know that's a hot take, but what do you guys think?
2: I don't necessarily see anyone getting cut. I think Miami would be happy to go in with four running backs. I think it's like like uh Savon Ahmed is still on the roster, so is Miles Gaskin. Uh, the, obviously they keep the rookie if anyone. I know it's less popular cuz he seems to be like everyone's favorite. It's going to be Mostert, you know, Mostert's like 31. He's had a long career. Jeff Wilson still has a lot of juice or one or if anything they would trade like a Jeff Wilson. People are massively underrating Jeff Wilson this year. When he is the cheapest back in a murky committee, he's the guy to draft right now. He has youth still, and he he was the the guy. And then when he got hurt, Mostert more so stepped in last year. He's going to get all of Mostert's work from last year. So I would say I'm pretty much not drafting Mostert at all unless he was like a final round pick. Similar to Zeke, what what are you really expecting to get out of a 31-year-old fringy running back? Very little. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, last year was the was the last year. That was the year. Supposedly. That was the year. Yeah.
1: And the same thought. Like, you look at where this coaching staff came from, from San Francisco. And San Francisco always keeps multiple running backs. Yeah. And so I would see Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert both staying. And I know there's Devin A. Jane. If anything, maybe Jeff Wilson. But that system... With running backs, just goes through them so quickly. Like, you can't cut Jeff Wilson because I feel like he's more of the if anything happened to Dalvin Cook. Wilson fits that skill set the best. Mostert's got speed. Obviously, Devon Aching also has speed, too. So, all four of them would stay. It's the unfortunate thing is you're probably looking at, like, I would say Wilson being a uh, game day inactive.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair and we see some special teams points in here. I'm not off the top of my head. Sure. Which of these running backs does hit the special teams, but I think you guys have talked me into believing that they would probably roster all four running backs. Just bringing up the San Francisco 49ers always doing that. And then also just how fragile all these guys are to begin with. Um, Somebody asked why draft a chain. I'm a big fan of that profile, even with Dalvin cook, but I, I know that not everyone agrees, Aaron, you
1: know, with Devon, a chain, he's small. That draft capital was good, but not good enough to like secure a year one role. Like a lot of times we do see like third round rookies in general essentially have a redshirt season or a very minimal role in the NFL. So yeah, I haven't been drafting Devon H.A., but it's because Jeff Wilson in best ball has always been towards the end of best ball drafts. Even like Raheem Mostert He's a proven veteran guy. You know he's going to get injured, but he's been cheaper. So I've been avoiding a for a while now. I,
2: I okay. think at his current cost, there's a lot of downside. Earlier in the offseason, he was going outside the top 130, and then you were smashing it. Now he's like around pick 110, and you have to take him around Rashad Penny and Khalil Herbert, who are just better options. And like Aaron said, like like here's the thing. When you look at what Miami did last year, as, as a whole, just look at the final box score. There is a massive role available for running back scoring to complement Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. It's it's a backfield you do want to take shots at, but the 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 old adage: just take the cheapest shot in a murky backfield where there's volume, and that's Jeff Wilson and A chain. I'm certainly avoiding because as my, I, he's one of my favorite rookies, but there's a massive risk that he's another James Cook, another Duke Johnson, yeah. another Kenneth Gainwell, a guy that's just flashy but doesn't do it for fantasy. But there is that chance he's David Johnson. I'm not going to bet that he's David Johnson. So, yeah, right now, you know, for best ball tournaments, I'm not drafting him. If it's like a rookie draft, sure. But those are two different formats.
0: Yeah, no, Devon A. Chain is fantastic in Dynasty Leagues. A great value for sure. It's definitely a huge risk in redraft. Um, Cool. Let's move on from this free agents discussion. I'm going to come back to kind of the old news, but I do want to just breeze through real quick what's gone on recently now that we've kind of warmed up talking about the free agents. Let's talk about let's talk about Brees Hall. He landed on the pup list. We know that, you know, he's hit 22 miles per hour. The Jets are hopeful he'll be ready week one. Brees Hall is hoping he'll be ready week one. Is this just one of those things where he's going to be activated right away? Or are you guys starting to get a little bit of concern about the situation? We'll start with Aaron.
1: I'm not concerned with Brees Hall, yeah. right? Like, torn ACL is bad, but uh, when comparing it to, like, say, Javante Williams, who tore multiple ligaments, like, Javante, still a little hesitant. Brees Hall, I- I'm reminded of, like, the Chris Godwin situation last year. Last year, I was totally out on Godwin, torn ACL, oh, no, he won't be good this year, and I got egg on my face. So this year, I've embraced the volatility with Brees yep. Hall. You know, In best ball, he's a third-round pick. Right? He's... And for full transparency, in this current slow puppy draft, I got sixty of these drafts right now. I'm tracking my exposure. That is my most drafted player is Brees Hall, always in the third round, and sometimes slides a few picks below ADP. I'm not concerned because the upside, the upside is so much greater than than the risk. I, I think worst case is. He might miss some time at the beginning of the season maybe a game yeah. or two but i'm not going to be surprised that he's ready for week one this pop it's just i i just treat it as like that's just going through the process it's nothing new nothing alarming you shouldn't adjust any type of ranking with Brees hall if you are like you just haven't been paying attention to Brees hall
2: yeah it's, yeah it's very standard for these major injury guys to start training camp on the pup and Again, with Ramondre Stevenson, to move him down is double counting. If Brees Hall never tore his his ACL and we got his full rookie season, or if it was a less serious injury, let's just say he had a string of minor injuries and no one was worried about week one health, he would be a first-round pick. He would be going between Algier and Barkley, and he's a mid-third round. We And we've been saying for months on Statmasters to expect a slow September from Hall. But when he does get to full speed, likely by October, he is he is RB1 overall upside. And that's already counted as being a mid third round pick. To move him any further now is just value on the board. The only thing that stops Brees Hall is re injury, similar to J.K. Dobbins last year, who had to, you know, do like, you know, repeat surgeries to refix his ACL. But J.K. Dobbs is even close to the athlete Brees Hall is and J.K. Dobbs is a fantastic athlete. People got to re- recall, Brees Hall is a freak athlete among freak athletes, like a Saquon Barkley, like a Jonathan Taylor. If, if he now falls into the fourth round, and let's dare say the fifth round, just buy, just buy, 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 and you, this, you're gambling anyway. Take the risk.
0: No, yeah, risk is where you find value in fantasy football. It's year in, year out where you can find these players. You already mentioned the RB1 overall upside that you can get from Brees Hall. I mean, dude was, I think, the RB1 before he got hurt, on a points-per-game basis at least, um, and absolutely killing it as a rookie. And so I'm excited to see what happens. Aaron Rodgers loves to target his running backs as well. And, I mean, even if he does start off slow, the first few weeks of the fantasy football season don't matter. They don't matter at all. When it matters most, Brees Hall is going to be winning championships. Winning championships. And congratulations on all your exposure, Aaron. Aaron. Everyone listening, this is your final chance to buy Brees Hall. This is it. Dynasty redraft. This is it. Season rolls around and he's playing. You're done. You're done. You're going to have to wait till next offseason and then people will remember just who he was. While we're on the topic of the Jets, Denzel Mims was traded to the Detroit Lions essentially for a pick swap. They're getting a conditional sixth round pick this year, and they're sending away Denzel Mims and a seventh round pick in twenty twenty five. Is this the Jamison Williams filling while he's suspended, Chris?
2: I thought we were talking about relevant news, Jason. You're bringing up Denzel Mims. I mean, he's they they need depth at receiver. Maybe yeah. he peppers in. It's you know you you want to take some deep deep shots in deep format, sure. But what are you really getting out of Denzel Mims at this point? They also have Josh Reynolds. They also have Khalif Raymond. They, they have Marvin Jones. You know, they, they they needed weapons. It's a smart trade for both sides. I'm not going to go crazy on this one. Yeah. Aaron?
1: Yeah, there's not much to add with Denzel Mims. Like, we've seen him three years in the NFL. He's not good. Like, you pull him up on Player Profiler and looking at just his NFL profile – At this point, we don't care about his college metrics. We don't really care about the workout metrics either. Like three years in the NFL, we know exactly what he is. He hasn't done anything. He is the guy that competes to be a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. I'm not buying it. I wouldn't be surprised if he just doesn't make the Detroit
0: Lions team. Okay. All right. I'm going to put a scenario out here. I'm going to put a scenario out here because you did bring up the deep leagues. I did pick up Denzel Mims in my 32 teamer league this morning. It felt great. It felt great, but I'm going to put a situation in your head. We know that the Detroit lions are playing the chiefs week one Thursday night football. You're setting your DFS lineup. You've got 1500 bucks left in your salary. Are you just putting Denzel Mims into your lineup? Or are you going to try to restructure your roster there?
1: Probably restructured because he's not going to be on the Detroit Lions week
0: one <laughs> roster. <laughs> Chris?
2: Yeah, I'm just going to pass. All right. <laughs> have pass restructure. It,
0: All right, cool. Let's move on then. That's kind of the big current news. We do have one more story brought into the bigger stories going on the past week, especially. We know that Saquon is, quote unquote, holding out. J- Josh Jacobs holding out. But now Zach Martin. Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman is upset with his contract feels he's underpaid and is making seven million dollars less than the NFL's top paid guards is not considering not reporting to training camp it's a little bit of a different situation considering he's under contract it costs a lot of money to miss out on these training camps Aaron you're a Cowboys fan are you worried at all
1: this is concerning because the Cowboys offensive line has been aging for a while. Zach Martin has been great and I don't want to like lose him at all. We can't afford that at all. I have no doubt in my mind that it gets resolved. You know, Zach Martin's doing what he's got to do. I, I support players like going and get paid. He's 33 years old. This is the last chance to truly get an elite payday. And usually Jerry Jones, when he's got his guys, and Zach Martin's been one of those guys, he's going to make sure that he's taken care of. But it's also that that nice warning to uh, veteran players is when he signed his contract, it was, I'm looking at it, like a nine-year deal, right? Two of those being void years, but don't do that. Like don't, don't sign these ridiculous contracts uh, because it – it starts off all right for you, but by the end of it, it's only helping the team. And then as a player, you're going, wait a minute, I'm only getting paid X amount of money. What, what was he am, amongst his position? Like, was he outside like the top
0: 10? Uh, I don't know the exact number. I just saw that he makes $7 million less than the top paid. And that's, for Adam chapter. that's a lot. So that it's. The
1: Cowboys always do these long-term deals, and if I'm a player, I just wouldn't. Like, no offense to the team or anything, but it's just bad business.
0: Definitely.
2: Chris. Yeah, I um, I agree with that, and it probably gets resolved. But it is a, a massive thing that I've been considering all offseason, and everyone should consider for Dallas, is that we know from experience Dak really falls apart without the offensive line. And Dallas, behind Zach Martin and, and Tyron Smith, who are now both aging – they, they, they haven't done a good job of keeping their guys in town. They've bought good players in before, but they always seem to leave. If those two guys go down or even one of them, it's a huge hit to the offensive line. And it's going to affect this, this offense's ability to function. It, it makes the top three Dallas players, Lamb, Dak, and Pollard, very volatile but very high upside picks. But it's also yeah. baked into their price where like CeeDee Lamb very much can finish as a top three receiver. Tony Pollard the same at running back. And Dak, Dak's not going to finish top five. We all know that. But he, sh- he could finish within that top 10 as a back-end QB1. That offensive line goes down. These guys are going to fail because Dak's going to fail. It's something to consider when drafting Dallas. I'm not pumping the brakes, but if your Dallas-based teams fail, it's going to come from the offensive line, not from the player talent around it.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's extremely concerning. It's a very fragile ecosystem going on in Dallas you lose one of the best offensive coordinators in the league now you might be losing one of the offense best offensive linemen in the league you've lost a great tight end it's 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 very very murky on this team are you selling a Tony Pollard a CD lamb probably more so dynasty leagues I see them pretty fairly valued in redraft but I know that they carry tons of value in dynasty either of you willing to let go
2: Nah. no no. heck no. Tony Pollard is my favorite player. He's going to be the RB1 <laughs> this year. You're running risk with the offensive line, but these guys are in their prime. They're at the top of their position. I'll only sell for a, a treasure trove of value. CD Lamb is being criminally underrated. You look at any efficiency metric, any stat, anything he's done in his career, he's just behind Jefferson and Chase in talent. Should be the wide receiver three in best ball right now. The only reason he falls is because people are skeptical of Dak and where... Jefferson and Chase hit the ground running as rookies. It took Lamb one additional year to break out. That's not a negative. So I I don't even think you would get full value for either of those players. If anything, I'm buying them because they're still a they're on the Cowboys discount.
1: And to add with Tony Pollard, like Chris and I have talked about how if you look at his progression in his career, it's kind of like Austin Eckler where he was super efficient. We knew he was a good pass catcher. We knew that on a per-touch basis, he was really good. And it took a while to finally become, like, quote-unquote, the guy. But then once he became the guy, like, you look at Austin Eckler, who's coming off back-to-back top two seasons at the running back position. Mm -hmm. With Tony Pollard, you're just now getting exactly what you wanted when you drafted Tony Pollard four seasons ago in, in Dynasty Leagues where he's the guy and he doesn't even have to dominate touches because Eckler really doesn't either. But yeah. Pollard is super efficient. People that go, oh, you got to sell him because what, he's 26, 27 years old as a running back, but it's not the same. If those people said the same thing for Eckler, oh my gosh, I don't care what package you got years ago, you would have gotten ripped off. And for C.D. Lamb, we just saw the Ascension last season and it's going to continue this year. CeeDee Lamb's a dark horse guy to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. Dark horse guy, but he still has that in his range of outcomes.
0: Yeah, if Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase get hurt, for sure. (laughs) I, I see a great comment here from the Harry Snowman. Cowboys are set up for full collapse except for the passing offense. This is the last stand of Mike McCarthy. We saw the coaching exodus. We see the talent gaps. Believe your eyes. Now, Let's move on to another team in the NFC East. While we're on the holdouts, either of you concerned about Saquon Barkley? It's
2: it's I mean it's one of those things where this is why in best ball you have an exposure portfolio. I'm not going to try to pretend to I have any idea what Saquon Barkley is thinking. It's a coin flip, right? Does he skip games? Does he not skip games? Now, the way they restructured everything with the NFLPA. It's not. It doesn't really incentivize missing games. So you know, you would think he's still going to play, or they hopefully come to some type of resolution. I. It's just. It's one of those things where you buy the dip, but you don't aggressively buy buy the dip. And in future years, you be skeptical early on with potential holdout players. Like fortunately, I've done you know a lot of best ball drafts over over a hundred on underdog up to this point. I only have about six percent exposure to Barkley. So now if he does fall to the third round, I can just hammer him and I'm not going to be yeah. overexposed. And if he does play, you know, I got him at a nice discount.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron. Barkley for a second straight season is slipping into the third round for different reasons. Last year was the injury scare, right? People yeah. were afraid of something that they think they, they that they can predict, right? And this holdout situation is kind of the same is that people think they can predict what Barkley's going to do. And definitely when he slips into the third round, most guys that you have there in the third round aren't better than Saquon Barkley. You've got to take Saquon Barkley. And I've seen him fall. I think his ADPs typically pick 18, pick 19 in single QB, but I've gotten them at pick 27, pick 28. And I am just so happy. Those are the teams that are like, this team might actually do some damage in big tournaments.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And I'm kind of with you guys on Saquon. Obviously, we have no idea what he's going to do. I do find that he'll probably end up playing. I think at most, he'd maybe sit out a a game to make a point. Like, hey, I've sat out this game. We lost miserably. I'm going to come back. But now you know how much I mean to this team. I am definitely personally more worried about Josh Jacobs. Again, have no knowledge, no personal knowledge about the situation. He just seems a bit more bitter. The situation is a little bit different. He's not as good as Saquon Barkley. The Raiders... You know, aren't that great either. So I'm not necessarily too in on Josh Jacobs. Not that I ever really was. I'm definitely concerned about the situation and can see it developing uh, to be a bit more serious in the Saquon situation. How do you guys view that,
2: Aaron? With, with, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Aaron.
1: You know, with with uh, Josh Jacobs, I think really with these holdouts overall. If I was to give like a direct answer, I, I'm not as worried about the holdouts. I I haven't truly let that affect how like I'm approaching these guys because the one holdout everyone points to is when Le'Veon Bell did what all of us thought was not never going to happen, sit out a full season, it backfired big time. Uh, Unfortunately, like these running backs, the reasons they're, they are so angry is is not so much about not getting the multi-year contracts. It's that there's nothing they can do about it. Right? Like they sit out games it cost them that that it cost them one, was it one eighteenth of their salary? So yeah. that's that's the unfortunate thing, is all these running backs can really do is give these threats that the NFL teams and the NFL owners know is just empty, empty threats. Like, what are you gonna do? Give up money? for for a year in which then the other thing too is we know running backs don't last long in the nfl so those owners are going to go see what happened with lev bell he lost so much tens of millions uh, of dollars so with that i i just kind of i continue to draft josh jacobs just going he's going to be the guy for the raiders we saw last season i want to say he was number one in opportunity share like he just got all the work in the in the backfield so i'm not afraid i'll continue to pepper him in
2: okay yeah well whatever jacobs might lack in efficiency to absorb the volume he absorbed last year is a feat in itself with the holdout it's it's certainly there's a lot of smoke around the raiders as a whole it's this this typical you know a belichick branch guy goes to an organization tries to be belichick and just alienates everyone you know Demonte adams isn't happy jimmy garoppolo can't pass a physical so on and so forth but things typically tend to, you know, balance themselves by the time the season starts. It's another one of those where with with if there's a dip, you 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 have to lean into it, not go full on aggressive buy him every time, because there's still risk, but definitely lean into value wherever you can find it. Mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily see one being more like I should be more pessimistic about Jacobs over Barkley. They're both in a similar position and have similar leverage because the teams don't really have other backs. Now Barkley is the greatest running back prospect of all time. And the the Giants did a lot more to invest in Barkley originally, moving on from OBJ, making Barkley the face of the franchise for half a decade. So Barkley probably more likely to get the deal where Jacobs kind of is stuck, you know, on the franchise tag one way or the other. Now, does he play or sacrifice $10 million? That's up to him. I don't, I don't necessarily see any comparison to Le'Veon Bell. Everyone's going to bring up Le- Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was in a far different circumstance. He was being hit with the second franchise tag, and he was actually hit with a reasonable offer from the Steelers. He wanted Christian McCaffrey money, who had just signed, which running backs aren't worth that. So the only reason Le'Veon Bell lost a lot of money was because the subsequent contract he signed with the Jets wasn't quite as much, and he didn't hit any of his incentives because his talent just dropped off a cliff. So he yeah. didn't even earn the full contract. It's 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 not as black and white as to just say that a running back holdout is going to lose money by holding out from the franchise tag. The circumstances aren't necessarily the same. Now, it certainly made it a lot harder for these guys to have leverage. Le'Veon Bell definitely dropped the ball, but he also paved the way for betting on yourself and – he still made money. Like it, it's not like, you know, he still made more money than the franchise tag. So it's a win and a loss. What makes it more so annoying with Lev Bell is, you know, like hanging out on the jet ski during games, this and that, he was definitely, you know, a bit of a jerk about it. But at the same time, the NFL owners are the biggest jerks to ever exist. So who's the real jerk here? It's always the NFL. It's always Roger Goodell. It's always the billionaires that have to hold on to every cent. So I, I, again, I'm just going to lean into value, have cautious optimism, and have an and an, an, ex, an exposure portfolio. And if I'm doing something like, like a one-off single-entry tournament or a redraft league, maybe look at other running backs with the same upside, even if they're a little more expensive.
0: You heard it here first. Kill the billionaires <laughs> and put the ownership into the fans' hands. <laughs> uh, but I'm with you there. I think that that's a great way to approach both of these players. You know, I'm a trade god. I see value, you know. If 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 a, if a dip happens, sometimes you've just got to capitalize no matter what. Let's move on to the DeAndre Hopkins situation. Chris, you told me you were excited to talk about the Titans. So I'll just let you take the floor.
2: Yeah, it's I'm very uh opinionated on this. Anyone who joined me and Aaron on Discord for Stats Masters last night, we we do a um a live show and then we do an extended show just on Discord. You know, I really ranted about this, probably for a good 10 minutes. I'll give you guys like the 2-minute elevator pitch, but <laughs> basically it's it's just the way people react to news like this. DeAndre Hopkins, his fantasy outcome is not dependent on situation pretty much at all. What's yeah. going to matter is how much talent he still has at his age. If 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 you were to tell people to write a projection for Hopkins, on the Chiefs, on the Bills, and on the Titans. It would be three wildly different projections, but that's not necessarily a smart way to go about it or true. He's going to score what he's going to score. He's either going to be on a Chiefs team or on a Titans team. It doesn't matter. He's DeAndre Hopkins. It's can he stay healthy, and is he still an elite player? Same thing for everyone else on that roster. The only player affected by this is Ryan Tannehill. Traylon Burks, whatever targets he was going to earn is not affected by deandre hopkins neither is chig neither is kyle phillips if you were targeting him because most teams throw at the ball at least 400 times right most teams throw 400 to 650 times the falcons last year threw it 414 times there were there were always 200 targets that had to go to someone they were going to go to nick westbrook akini Tannehill was going to throw to himself or vrabel was going to put pads back on and get back in the nfl and cash the ball. Now it's just going to go to DeAndre Hopkins, right? It's yep. not coming from Burks. He didn't steal his targets. There were yeah. so many there, and, and it makes the offense more efficient. So even if there's a slight dip in target share, there's a boost in inefficiency. You get a sophomore year Juju Smith-Schuster effect where tighter coverages go Hopkins way so Burks can use his athleticism in more space. And the, and the only thing is Tannehill. And now suddenly we have a million Tannehill fans, people that love Ryan Tannehill that have never said a word about him for five years. I've been touting Ryan Tannehill since the day he was signed to, to the Titans. Like, hey, this dude was great on Miami. He just got yeah. hurt. He, he comes out, crushes it for years. No one cares. But now because they signed DeAndre Hopkins, he's raising in cost. You, you've skipped a step. Prior to DeAndre Hopkins, Tannehill was off the off the board entirely. You can't draft this guy. Now that he has Hopkins, he's on the board, but people are jumping to raise him up the board. No, no, no. It's on the board, not raise up the board. He's going to settle somewhere just before Matthew Stafford, if I had to guess, which is still a fine price. It's just, it's it's irksome to me to see people needing something like a DeAndre Hopkins signing to actually look into Tannehill and realize, oh no, like this guy's always been a good quarterback. He also yeah. runs way more than people realize. Yep. If anything to like Ryan Tannehill is to also like Desmond Ritter on the Falcons with Arthur Smith. Desmond Ritter is going to have a very run-heavy role with better weapons. And Tannehill is already more expensive than Ritter. Give me the cheaper guy. Give me the younger guy. So it's just – it's it's very – the whole thing is just bothersome. To me. People aren't wrong. I just hate that now they're paying attention to something that has been relevant for years.
0: I'm with you so much. I hate – like 50% of fantasy football analysis out there. So many things are just on a snap that people's opinions change and everything. It shouldn't be like that. No matter what, Ryan Tannehill was going to be in an extremely efficient play action offense and he was going to have upside with good weapons and Derrick Henry. That that's all you needed to know. And last year he was the most efficient play action passer in the entire NFL had was averaging Four yards per attempt, more on play-action passes than regular passes. Just extremely efficient. I was in on Ryan Tannehill before, too. Um, I love, though, you've brought up Desmond Ritter because, you know, I'm a Falcons fan. I'm here. I actually just today, it hit the Player Profiler articles. It just came out. Win your league with the Player Profiler staff. We were all supposed to pick a quarterback. I chose Desmond Ritter as the sleeper pick. I'm a big fan of what he's going to bring extreme. Extreme value, but back to the Titans, because I want to hear what Aaron has to say. So instead of
1: focusing on Hopkins, because Hopkins, like the analysis should have never changed. People, they can't hate him going to the Titans. Like he's on a team now and targets. Like Chris already covered that, but trail on Burks. And to a lesser extent, chicosia McConquo as well. Like those are guys I'm suddenly targeting. Like I have never been a chicosia McConquo guy because in best ball, he just started off expensive, got more expensive. But now he's falling outside the top 130. I could start drafting him as, as a tight end. I If I do three tight end builds, he could be one of those three, and I'm happy with those builds. But Traylon Brooks, I actually did this last season. I'm going to do it again this year. Every like four weeks during the season, I would go into wide receivers because I like looking at three specific stats. I like looking at Yards per route run, that is overall my favorite stat for wide receivers. But I also calculated air yards per route run and yards after catch per route run. And I looked at like the top 12 guys because, you know, shockingly, the guys that are towards the top of this are some of the best fantasy wide receivers. And there was right around Christmas time, so late in the season, I had done a, a second thread on this. I did one in November, one in December. And I said, there are, there were seven wide receivers that were top 12 in two of those three categories. Five of them at that point were top 10 in fantasy points per game at the wide receiver position. The sixth one was Chris Olave. Look where he's going now in drafts. And you can take a wild guess at who the seventh one was. It was Traylon Burks. And then even looking a little closer at his stats, at that point of the season, he was number seven in yards after catch per route run. And the six guys ahead of them, five of those guys were wide receivers that were under 210 pounds. That are typically what we think of for like slot yards after catch guys. The sixth one is the Yak King himself, Debo Samuel at 214 pounds. Traylon Burks is 224 pounds. Yeah, and monster. as a rookie, like it's it, the problem was we just kept getting injuries we would see we would see like a two game stretch of him starting to put it together it happened three separate times last season where we start to see some of what made him a first round rookie pick in the NFL draft then he get injured there was like the concussion where it's nothing nothing wrong with him just it was uh, i think it was a pretty dirty hit if i remember correctly but he did have some conditioning problems now he first off he entered the training camp much better condition last year struggled with asthma so Traylon Burks is already just a weapon, a yards-after-catch guy. He's not going to need this massive target share to be dangerous. And in best ball drafts, just yesterday, I got him a full round below his ADP, and I'm like, yes, yes, like yeah. auto-smash that because there is still upside. That gets him to – I think that was like the eighth round that I took him. I'm like, yeah, like if you're drafting in the eighth round, that can, that's usually like a wide receiver four – that's exactly what you want. So people that are pushing Burks down, Chicosia McConquo down. It's like, no, this is exactly what you want. You have yep. the proper alpha receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Traylon Burks is the perfect, like number two wide receiver in an NFL offense, and Chicosia McConquo there as a third option, or you know, some people put him above Burks, but it doesn't really matter. If you like those guys, this is great news because their talent profile hasn't changed. They're both super efficient with the ball. You see what the Titans have done. They've rebuilt what they had a few years ago with AJ Brown, Corey Davis, and Jonu Smith. So I'm just scooping up Titans players where before wasn't so much in on them because of their rising
0: cost. Yeah, no, I, I both of those guys are buys, especially Trey Burks. So I, I like it a lot. It's, it doesn't have to be hard. We have to remember that it's, we can put on our football goggles, been doing this, the football goggles, and remember that there's more than one wide receiver on the field. And usually that other wide receiver goes against easier coverage. And when you have a hyper athlete and Traylon Burks, that can only mean success. I remember rookie drafts last year before the NFL draft. Some people were taking Burks over Brees Hall. People were enamored mm-hmm. with him. The, the hog killing and wrestling was something so cool. So you've got to, if you liked Traylon Burks before DeAndre Hopkins, you have to still like him because nothing has really changed. Go buy your Titans guys. Um, Do you want to talk about Alvin Kamara at all? Or should we move on to your guys? Because I picked a couple players that I wanted to hear your thoughts on. I looked at your staff profiles.
2: I say, let's move on. We have so much Alvin Kamara content on stats masters. If people want to hear what we have to say, man, like we got a lot of shows on the player profile of YouTube We've we've sifted through Alvin Kamara a dozen times. You could also reach out to us, you know, on Twitter if you want to hear. But overall, I mean, he has high upside. Let's just call it that.
0: Yeah, uh, perfect, perfect. Capitalize on the hype or on the unhype with Alvin Kamara, Chris. One of your guys is one of my guys, Hunter Renfro.
2: Hunter Renfro,
0: please help describe
2: why he's so cheap, Hunter Renfro is is uh he's he's just a good player. He's a hardworking guy. He's not the flashiest dude, right? No. But he had 200 fantasy points not two years ago. Now, is he a 200 fantasy point player? Of course not. That was a great year for him. But he can certainly be a 140 to 160 point player. And he, he goes in pretty much the last round. And I, the one thing people aren't really taking into account for Hunter Renfro, and this is pure speculation, but – you should very much expect him to be on a different team, if not by week one, by the trade deadline, for sure. There have already been... It's it's one of the quietest stories of the offseason, but there have been multiple re- reports of the Raiders looking to trade Renfro and you see this very often. When a team brings in a free agent that's completely redundant with the player they already have that's talented, that player typically gets traded. They bring in Jacoby Myers. They don't need Hunter Renfro. There's plenty of teams that will need Hunter Renfro once their players start to get hurt. And he he, my bet on Renfro late in best ball drafts is that he gets traded. And even if he doesn't get traded, there's still a lot of ways he can be productive on the Raiders. The Raiders... Are pretty much the wide receiver career rehab team. In the last two years, they've bought us Zay Jones and then let him move on. They bought us Mac Collins last year when Renfro got hurt, and now he's on Atlanta as their quote unquote wide receiver two. And now it could be Hunter Renfro who was homegrown, already showed it. And if Myers or Adams deals with injury, or you know their tight end. Michael Mayer takes longer to get on board than they hope for, or Jacobs does hold out and it opens up targets. There's a lot of ways even in Vegas that Renfro, who's just completely free in in drafts, can pay off. And I know we hate boring slot receivers, but boring slot receivers typically give you really good late round fantasy value. And there have been a lot of no-name guys. That have given you pop seasons, Scotty Miller, Adam Humphreys. When Adam Humphreys signed with Tennessee, that was like the big signing of the offseason. People lost their mind. Mm -hmm. Hunter Renfro, there's a lot of places he could definitely go, and I'm excited to see where.
0: Yep. No, I I love Hunter Renfro. Talked about him a few episodes ago. I mean, even Derwin James compared him or put him in the same class of Tyreek Hill in terms of route running. It's just, you know, I mean, you can think about what it is. (laughs) I wouldn't either. But, I I mean, he's a really, really good route runner, really good football player. Uh, And usually that profile lasts a while in the league as well. I would be excited to see where he could go outside of Las Vegas. Aaron, one of your guys isn't one of my guys, but it's someone I want to kind of be convinced on because the Giants wide receiver room in general, no one knows what's going on. This guy, Wandale Robinson, was extremely hyped up last year before the injury and was looking pretty good going into his second year now. Why is he one of your guys? So
1: it started way before he even got drafted with the Giants. You pull him up on player profiler, and because he's only played a season, I feel that his college stats are still relevant, right? A 99th percentile college target share. And the insane thing is I've never seen this on any player's page. He had basically a 40% target share playing at Kentucky, the SEC. Like, SEC defenses knew where the ball was going and it didn't matter. And Kentucky's not exactly known for being a powerhouse, uh, powerhouse SEC team. So yeah. I was impressed. And in fact, I was pounding my fist on the table when we had our rookie rankings back during his rookie season. I was like, this guy's way too low. What are we doing? Uh, yeah. And then, like, when the Giants drafted him, Middle of the second round is a good draft capital. I like that. And I'm a sucker for these guys. Before Wandale Robinson, I was an Elijah Moore guy, the same exact build. The the short guys that get the second round draft capital. But Wandale Robinson, let's let's get it out there. He tore his ACL. There's a risk. There's a reason he's going outside the top 200 players in ADP on best ball, but especially in dynasty leagues and even some best ball teams, I'm gonna put him in on some teams. Because let's look at some of the stats. His rookie season, he flirted with a 20% target share. That's impressive. Like, it takes rookies some time. It's very rare do they come out of the gates and command targets. 20% is pretty good. It's really good. And his target rate, his targets per route run, was even higher. It was 28%. That's exceptionally good. Really good numbers. Uh, we talked about yards per route run and how I love that stat. And usually the benchmark that I'm looking for is two two yards per route run. He hit that. He was over that. His route win rate it didn't qualify. Uh, he didn't run enough routes. But a 54% route win rate is that's that's good company to be in. I mean that's that is in the realm of Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, those types of guys that just win consistently. Wondell Robinson. Yes, he was doing it in the slot, but hey, you're doing it at an elite level as well. The New York Giants desperately want to fill the slot receiver role. That's why they signed Paris Campbell. I'm fine drafting Paris Campbell because there could be some early season points there. But depending on your roster construction, if you go, my team has got enough points to get me through the early to mid part of the season, but I really need a guy that maybe has some upside for that home stretch there. Wanda Robinson has crazy upside. The ACL injury is the concern, but that's the only reason he is going that low. And now with where Giants receivers are going, Paris Campbell used to be an 18th round pick. Now I want to say he's like 15th round. People have bumped him up. Wandale Robinson's the forgotten guy. And before he tore his ACL, right? It was a top 10 performance. It was, what was this? Nine catches. I think it was like 130 yards. I'm confirming. No, no, sorry. It was 13 targets. That's where I was getting the three from. But it was nine catches, 100 yards, starting to put it together. And there had been the weeks leading up to that. He was running more routes, getting more targets, being just a nuisance after the catch. It's just unfortunate that his highlight of his season was immediately followed by the low point of his season. But Wondell Robinson is talented, and you're not going to find these types of guys typically outside the top 200.
0: Oh, definitely. The, the potential is there for Wandale with or without Saquon Barkley returning. I think that the wide receiver room will definitely work itself out by the midpoint of the season and will probably be fine with the wide receiver core of the Hodgins or Robinson, Paris Campbell or Bryce Ford Wheaton when Campbell gets hurt. Uh, Jalen Hyatt could turn into something, too. I mean, what, five touchdowns against Alabama? That's got to mean something. So thank you guys for the conversations, all of the points, just real quick. In the chat we see way too much conversation about Ronald Jones. We'll keep it short. Aaron, in or out on Ronald Jones? Out on Ronald Jones. I don't think he makes the team. Chris, in or out on Ronald Jones?
2: I didn't know Ronald Jones was still alive. So that's news to me. I mean, he's a camp body, right? Soon to be cut.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm I'm there too. I'm not I'm not I'm not in on the Ronald Jones replaces Ezekiel Elliott discussion at all. He's had way too many opportunities and fumbled them. So no Ronald Jones love on today's episode. Sorry to the chat discussing that. Aaron, we'll start with you. Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter.
1: My handle is at Aaron Stew 09. Trying to be a little bit more active on Twitter these days. And uh, right now I've definitely got my notifications blowing up there. But yeah, if you ever want to talk fantasy football, like I'm always game for that. And I've also got to make sure that you guys know if you're not already, join Player Profiler's Discord server because Chris and I do a show and we talk with the audience. We talk with the people that are there, answer their questions, have good conversations and rants. You can go to playerprofiler.com slash chat. It is a free Discord server. Come join Chris and I for the live Stat Master shows.
0: Yeah, the Masters is a fantastic show. Make sure you check that out on YouTube and join the live streams on Discord. Chris, where can the people find you?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at value draft picks. It's uh, it's the early down grinder. I have a Twitter alias because I'm bashful, but it's value draft picks. Pretty easy to find. Pretty much the only thing I talk about. And you get a pretty good daily or every other day tweet, tweet rant from me. So if you like rants, I mean, I'm throwing them out there and I'll definitely engage with you in the comments. The comment section of this show has been an absolute war zone. And I'm all for it. Bring the war zone to my Twitter page. I will, we will go back 20 times. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah, I've been a part of a back and forth with you on Twitter before we do not end up on the same page on the Alexander Madison train. But that's what we love about fantasy football. Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Chat, thank you so much for tuning in. Everyone, you have a fantastic, And I mean fantastic Thursday, rest of your week. I hope to see you all tomorrow here on the Player Profiler YouTube channel, 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm Jason. That was Aaron. That was Chris. You guys were a great audience, and this was Wake and Take. Peace.